All right, so um, I want to first give you all a gold star for making it out in 20 degree weather this morning. And as Baptists go, there was probably a little bit more swaying and movement in here. If there's ever a time for Baptists to run and get a victory lap in, it's on a very, very cold morning. And that last song could absolutely give us a victory lap. So, amen. All right, so we are talking about stewarding time and treasure and talent. And each one of those represents a gift from God, and each one is more fully utilized when it is stewarded well. And as a part of our Take Your Next Step theme for 2024, we are helping each person take their next step in the idea of growth and maturity when it comes to those particular areas. So remember, your next step might be different than my next step, and our next step might be different than somebody else's next step. God is not working on all of us in the exact same way at the exact same time. But rest assured on this side of eternity, if you're a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, there is always going to be another step of growth and maturity in your life. So two weeks ago, we talked about moving forward in stewardship of time. And the challenge before all of us is nobody can change the past. None of us are guaranteed the future. But what God has done is he's given us the gift of today. And if we are to steward our time well, make the most of our time, redeem our time, then we really need to focus on what is God leading us to do today. And by the way, today is a really small timeline. That's just a little bit of time. What is God leading us to do today? So last week, we talked about moving forward in stewardship of treasure. And I gave a three-statement biblical overview of stewarding resources. We talked about the fact that God owns everything. God blesses us with work, resources, and the ability to make money. And we are stewards of what God has entrusted to us. We also saw that generosity is a voluntary expression of grace that transcends wealth and circumstances. You do not have to be rich to be generous. You have to be generous to be generous. And we talked about parts of biblical generosity out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. There were four parts that we mentioned. That is, biblical generosity is proportionate, it is sacrificial, it is voluntary, and it's also enthusiastic. Well, today, we finish the first of our three messages in this series by answering questions related to gifting and ability and talent. How has God gifted you? What's the difference between natural ability, spiritual gifts, personal talent, how does understanding the difference in those areas help somebody find the exact place that God would have them to serve the body of Christ? There is a lot that we are going to cover in this message, but before we can ever talk about where we serve or how we serve, we first need to understand how has God gifted us to serve. As always, the Bible contains the answers we need. So I invite you to go with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12, we're going to be in verses 1 through 8. So I am speaking on forward in stewardship of talent. And we're going to read verses 1 through 3. We need that for context, but we're going to primarily focus on verses 4 through 8. 
Now, while Romans chapter 12 is our primary text for this morning, we need to lay a bigger foundation. If you're going to talk about spiritual gifts, it's pretty important that we define spiritual gifts and kind of see where the main passages in Scripture that it mentions these, help provide some classifications for spiritual gifts, and then we're going to come back and connect that information back to what's happening right there in Romans chapter 12. And also, before I go any further on this, I know that in the message title, it's the word talent, okay? But talent is one part of how God has made you. When serving others, talent is best understood in connection with and in support of spiritual gifts. And I'm going to address that in just a few moments. So let's read the text, pray, and we'll jump into our next section from there. Here's what the text says. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and following. It says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we get into this area of spiritual gifts, may your spirit guide us, teach us, open our hearts, open our minds to understand truth as it is revealed in your word and as it relates to each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's start at the very beginning of this. What is a spiritual gift? This is in your notes. A spiritual gift is a special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer that is to be used to serve others and build up the body of Christ. That's a definition of spiritual gifts. Now, the Bible does not give a tight restriction on the number of spiritual gifts or, for that matter, even definitions of those spiritual gifts. If you're interested in studying the major text in the New Testament that addressed the topic of spiritual gifts, that would be Romans 12 that we're in today, also 1 Corinthians 12, then there would be Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4. Those are your four primary texts that address spiritual gifts. Now, depending upon which of those texts you read, it might share a different number of gifts or different types of gifts, and we'll explain those in a moment. But generally speaking, these gifts are divided into three different groups. Uh, some Bible scholars talk about sign gifts and speaking gifts and serving gifts. Sign, speaking, and serving gifts. That's a great kind of classification. Others talk about manifestation gifts, motivational gifts, or ministry gifts. 
Okay, those three work as well. In fact, I'm going to go back and forth between both of them because I like both sets of classifications. Now, based on the information that we have in our four primary texts in the Bible that address spiritual gifts, I'm going to lay out some foundational ideas for spiritual gifts as a whole. Here's the first of those. Every believer has been gifted for ministry. Every believer. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards. Okay, there's that idea of stewards. The, the idea of the gift that God has given you, there's a stewardship component in this. You are to steward it as of the manifold grace of God. Now, you might not know what your gift is. You might not be using your spiritual gift. But you can be assured, based on Scripture, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual gift. Here's the second idea. The Holy Spirit decides the gift you receive. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Okay, spiritual gifts are not dispensed based upon merit. They're not dispensed based upon maturity. They are dispensed based upon the sovereign will of God. He gives them as he chooses, as he wills. So here's just a little bit of a warning on that. Be careful about coveting somebody else's spiritual gift. Okay, somebody else's gift might look more exciting than your gift. But if God wanted you to have that gift, he would have given you that gift. All right, so be careful. God made you perfect in that. He put the exact gift he wanted in you in order to be used to bless the body of Christ. Here's the next one. Every believer is not gifted in the same way. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4, 8, and 9. It says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. To one is given the word of wisdom to another, the word of knowledge to another, faith. Here, here's just a thought. Gifting impacts perspective. Have you ever wondered how you and somebody else can look at the same situation and you assess it so differently? A part of that is gifting. Now, here's a, a reason we want to bring that up. When it comes to gifting in the body of Christ, all of these gifts work together for the blessing and the furtherance of the body. But that's why it's good that everybody has to work within their gifting because you're going to see something I don't see, and I'm going to see something you don't see, and they're going to see something none of us see. And all of those gifts work together in the body so that it functions properly. Here's the next one. No believer receives every gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 29. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? In fact, the Greek construction of this is a rhetorical statement. It, each of those statements could end with this phrase, of course not. In other words, all are not teachers, are they? Of course not. All are not prophets, are they? Of course not. It's a rhetorical statement. God does not give everyone all of the gifts. Here's the next one. Spiritual gifts are for the benefit of others. Number of passages here, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 starts us off. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another, here it is again, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Here's the last of those statements. Spiritual gifts are different than personal talent. Now there's a little bit of confusion in this area, and a part of it is because we use terms like ability, gifting, talent, and we kind of use it interchangeably. So we would say something like that, like this, that person is a gifted musician, or that person is a gifted athlete. Now is athletics a spiritual gift? Is, is music a spiritual gift? So see, we kind of use the terms in different ways. So there are some similarities and there are some differences. Here are some similarities. Both spiritual gifts and personal talents are gifts from God. When you see somebody who excels in what they do and you're looking like, man, that person is gifted. That is a blessing from God in that person's life. The next one, both spiritual gifts and personal talents get stronger with use. The more you use them, the better you get at them. They get stronger. And here's the next one. Both spiritual gifts and personal talents should be stewarded well and not squandered. If God gave it to you, he gave it to you for a reason. There's a stewardship that comes with what God has entrusted to us. Now, what are some differences between these? Spiritual gifts are specifically given to benefit others in the building up of the church. Personal talent can be reserved for self and is often the basis of careers and hobbies. So let me give you a couple of, of thoughts on that. For example, there might be somebody who likes woodworking. They might have a really great talent in that and an ability in that. And, and for them, they just, they like making cuckoo clocks and they like making birdhouses and, and it's just a fun thing for them to do. Now there's other people who have a talent and a gifting in woodworking and they still use it to serve the body of Christ. So it doesn't mean that because it's a talent or a, a, an ability that it cannot be used in serving others, but there's some things that that a person has that they might say, you know what, this is between myself and the Lord. Like somebody might play an instrument, but they not, might not be very uh, good at that. They, they might not be very confident at that. They're like, Lord, this is just myself and you. That we're just going to play this together. Okay, so that's a way that you can distinguish between the two. Spiritual gifts are for the others. It's, it's for the building up of the body of Christ. Here's the next one. Spiritual gifts are only possessed by Christians, personal talents can be possessed by anyone. There's a lot of really talented people that are not followers of Jesus Christ. Next one, spiritual gifts are given at salvation. Romans 12, three and six, personal talents come from genetics, surroundings, training, and God's sovereign choice. So those are just a few of the differences. All right, so at this point, we have a definition of spiritual gifts. We have some classifications of spiritual gifts. I've talked about the four primary passages in the New Testament that address spiritual gifts. I've given six foundational truths about spiritual gifts, several points of distinction between spiritual gifts and personal talent. Now let's take all of that and let's begin to work it in through our text in Romans chapter 12. How do spiritual gifts flow through Romans 12? Just take this thought as we go in. Context, 
clarifies content. Always, always, always. Context clarifies content. This is one of those areas, it's really important. Spiritual gifts, you're going to hear in a few moments, there's, there's a lot of beliefs and differences between denominations when it comes to spiritual gifts. And this is one of those areas I encourage people, have your understanding of spiritual gifts based on context of the passage itself. So in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul urges believers to present their bodies as a living and a holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. What you do with your body, the work you choose to do with that body, the way you treat what God has been entrusted to you, it is a spiritual act of worship. Before Paul ever mentions spiritual gifts, he calls us to sacrificial worship. How you live is worship. What you do is an act of worship. The way you serve others through what God has given you in the area of time and talent and treasure, it is an act of worship. Worship is more than the songs that we sing. Worship is also about how we live. All right? Verse 1 is about worship. In verse 2, Paul calls us to think with a different mindset. We're, we're told, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Our minds are to be renewed in the truths of God's word. As our minds are renewed in the truths of God's word, we will prove that God's will is good and acceptable and perfect. So verse 1 is about worship. Verse 2 is about mindset. All of this is building into spiritual gifts. Verse 3 addresses a major obstacle to worship in renewed minds. The obstacle is pride. He warns us, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. But think soberly. Think with sound judgment. In today's vernacular, we might say a person who thinks with sound judgment about themselves, that person is self-aware. What we would say is somebody who has an accurate view of who they are and how they're gifted and where they're strong and where they're weak and where they can best serve and positions themselves in that place, we would say that person is very self-aware. One of the first teachings of Greek wise men was know yourself. An honest assessment of our own abilities without conceit and without false modesty is essential to maximizing our service, our effectiveness, as well as fulfillment. Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. But here's the opposite side. Don't think less of yourself than you ought to think. False modesty is not true humility. False modesty is knowing you're gifted and trying to tell people you're not. That's not only deceitful to others, it's offensive to God. When the Bible says that God has gifted you and you deny that gift and you reject that gift and you say, I'm not gifting, that's offensive to the God who placed that gift in your life. 
Don't think more highly of yourself than you should, and don't think less of yourself than what you should. As the text says, think soberly. Use sound judgment. Verse 1 is about worship. Verse 2 is about mindset. Verse 3 is about sound judgment. Verse 4 is about unity in diversity. Now, Paul uses the human body as a visual illustration of this particular piece. He he wants people to understand the interconnectedness between believers and gifting and the health of the local church. So our body is made up of many parts, eyes, ears, nose, mouth, bones, ligaments, muscles, organs, all sorts of stuff going on up in here, okay? All of the different pieces have a function, And all of those different pieces are to function according to their design. In fact, you can think of it like this. The body is only as healthy as the proper functioning of its parts. That's as healthy as the body is going to be. And and right now we're in a season of sickness. Anytime you get around, you know, winter of the year, everybody's sick. Okay, so at this time of year, you can definitely tell the difference between parts of your body operating the way they normally do and parts not operating the way they normally do. When your nose is running, your head's all stopped up and you're coughing, you got all sorts of issues going on right there. All of a sudden, you are really, really grateful for good health. Hey, here's another time you know all the parts of your body are not functioning the right way. When you're sneaking out to get you a snack at midnight and you stub your toe in the kitchen, that toe right there will tell you there's a problem going on right there. All of a sudden, when that toe is not happy, the rest of the body is not happy. It'll ruin a midnight snack in a heartbeat. Okay, all of the pieces are to work together in the right way. The same is true within the local church. Scripture tells us there's one body. It's the universal body of Christ. There's hundreds of millions of parts to this body. The health of the body, the effectiveness of the body, the attractiveness of the body, the ability of the body to meet needs and to make disciples, it all flows out of individual believers doing what God has specifically gifted and designed them to do. Now, if that is the backdrop, Let's reread verses four and five. For just as we have many members in one body and all members do not have the same function, eyes don't do what ears do, ears don't do what you know, a toe does. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Many Christians, one body. One person or a handful of people cannot do what the entire body is called to do. But when every person does, does what God made them to do, all of a sudden there's health that happens in the body. So here's the big idea that we've worked up to. Use the gifts God gave you in the place God called you for the benefit of those around you. Use the gifts God gave you in the place God called you for the benefit of those around you. Now let's reread what these gifts are. Verse six and following. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of faith, if service in his serving, 
He who teaches in his teaching. He who exhorts in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. There's seven gifts that are mentioned, and then there are seven different points of instruction that come along with each of those gifts. In other words, the person who has the gift of prophecy, it gives this instruction. Use it according to the proportion of faith. If you have the gift of giving, it says, use it with liberality. In other words, use what God gave you. Now, all of those gifts fit under what's referred to as the motivational gifts, and that makes sense. Motivational gifts are defined as gifts that motivate your thought process, actions, and reactions. Gifts that motivate your thought process, your actions, and your reactions. Uh, Your motivational gifts are the lens by which you see the world around you. Whenever we talk about discovering your spiritual gifts, this is the primary group of gifts that we're talking about. Now, somebody might say, but hey, hey, what about the other three passages? Like we got four passages. Why are we just focused on one of these? Well, great question. Here's some some insight to help on that. The list in Ephesians 4 refers to speaking positions that proclaim and explain God's word. Now, in each of those, there's a position that goes along with it. That is apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, everybody doesn't have a gift of teaching or explaining the word of God and helping people grow in that area. So so that's one that, that it's important, but it doesn't address everybody in the body of Christ. Also, in 1 Peter chapter 4, it refers to speaking gifts, and it also talks about serving gifts. But when it addresses those, it gives just a little bit of information and very general information. So in this text, in Romans 12, there's a more explained version of that. It gives more gifts that are mentioned. Now, finally, there is the 1 Corinthians 12 passage, and that one is debated on a number of ways because of abuses that happened with those gifts with the church in Corinth, as well as questions about the cessation or the continuance of certain gifts that are mentioned in that text. Now, I don't want to go too deep in this right now. I I, I just, I, I don't want to go too deep, but when we're here, it's important that we take just a moment to help people understand some things. The reason I don't want to go too deep in this is because the cessation are the continuance of certain spiritual gifts is not an essential point of doctrine. Do you all hear me on that? Not an essential point of doctrine. In essentials, we have to have unity. In non-essentials, we can have liberty. In all things, we are to show love. Now, that being said, you're in a Baptist church. And in a Baptist church, sometimes people come in, they're like, why are certain gifts mentioned? Certain ones are not. I'm going to give you an overview of this for just a moment and just let you know, historically speaking, Baptists have been on the cessationist side of certain sign gifts. And you're going to hear why in just a moment. And also know, you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to agree with me. I will say that again. You don't have to agree with me. This is between you and the Lord. But listen, listen. Please make your understanding of spiritual gifts based on Scripture, not personal experience. Scripture 
not personal experience. That's going to be the same in every area of life. The word of God needs to be our authority in all matters of faith and practice. Now, that being said, the primary cessationist argument comes back to purpose and timeline of spiritual gifts. So before the New Testament was assembled together, there was not a standard for people to see the truthfulness of what was taught or witnessed in the name of Christ. Now, I'm talking New Testament. Old Testament is already there. But we're now talking about new books that are being added into the canon. So God used sign gifts like tongues, interpretation of tongues, gifts of healing to authenticate the teaching and the ministry of the apostles. These were the individuals sent out by Christ to take the message of the gospel around the world. That's great. They did an incredible job with this. But here's the thing. If somebody shows up that you don't know in town and they say, I'm speaking on behalf of God, you should be suspicious of that. So how would you know whether or not it was truthful and accurate of God or not of God? The sign gifts were used by God to authenticate the message as well as the messenger. So I want you to jot down these passages. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. How did they know it was a true apostle? Because the signs of a true apostle were performed among them. The writer of Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, says after it, and it's referring to the gospel in context, after it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us. Confirmed to us. Remember, the gifts, the signs, we're there to confirm, to validate the message or the messenger. So here's what it says. It was confirmed to us both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. The gospel message was confirmed and authenticated by signs and wonders and miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Even during Jesus' earthly ministry, according to Mark chapter 16, verse 20, as the apostles went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. It's consistent, clear, teaching through the New Testament that God used signs, wonders, miracles, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in order to validate the message and the messengers who were the apostles going out. Why was that important? Because prior to this, there was not that standard. How did you know that something new that was being spoken was true and accurate? How do we know today if something is right and true and accurate. We've got the word of God. Amen. It's the completed canon of scripture. So once the word of God was written and circulated and received as God's word and recognized as God's word, you begin to see the sign gifts and the apostles begin to fade out the biblical narrative. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 told us that was going to happen. It says the signs would be temporary. It says if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. Now that makes sense. 
a sign is only effective when it's new to you. Think of it like this. When do you recognize a brand new billboard on the highway? When it's new. When that thing's been up there for a couple of months or a couple of years, you drive by it, you don't, you don't even think about it anymore. It just it goes in one part of your mind and right out the other. Uh, a couple of months ago, we updated the atrium and we put new signage out there for worship center and men's room and women's room and chapel and all of that. And when everybody walked in, they're like, hey, this is nice. They recognized it. Chances are, if you've been coming for the last two months, you were not looking at the signs in order to find your way to get into this place. Do you know who really enjoys a sign? Somebody who's brand new. When they walk in, they're like, where's the men's room at? Where's the women's room at? Where's the worship center? Signs help when it's new. Okay, so those are the ways that we understand how signs begin to work. Now, here's the timeline, the evolution of what happens with spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians was written around AD 54. Romans is written around AD 58, four years later. None of the sign gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, healing, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, are mentioned over in Romans chapter 12. Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4, the other two New Testament passages, were written several years after Romans. They're not mentioned there either. As you read church history, you'll find that for almost 1,900 years of church history, the sign gifts, as described here, went dormant except in small circles on the fringe of Christianity. In fact, if you trace back the current movement, the recurrent revival of sign gifts, it will come back to January the 1st, 1901 in Topeka, Kansas, with a group of believers who were studying the book of Acts, and they said they wanted a new experience with God. So here's, here's the reason I bring all of that up. When you talk about spiritual gifts, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of differences. Depending upon the denomination you grew up in, depending upon the church you were a part of, it, there's going to be differences. It, is the current movement that started in 1901, is, is it real? That's a question. Is it possible for God to use sign gifts like healing or like tongues or interpretation of tongues today around the world as missionaries are taking the gospel to the unreached people groups around the world? Is it possible that he could do that? God can do whatever he wants to do. He's God. Is it possible that right now there are abuses that are happening with some of these sign gifts in the church, the same as what happened 2,000 years ago in the, in the church of Corinth? Yes, is it necessary for believers to have a biblical understanding of spiritual gifts so as not to be led into deception? Yes. That's the reason we need to know what Scripture says here. Now, please hear me again. Spiritual gifts are not essential theology. They're not. So if you come out of here and you want to go pick a fight with somebody because they believe something different about spiritual gifts than you do, you did not hear that from me. And if you quote me while you're fighting, please don't do that. What, I, I, what I'm trying to do here is to say, here's 
Here's why we teach what we do. Here's the framework around that. But understand, everybody does not have that same perspective. So as we finish, I want to provide a framework for you of how God made you, and this is gonna be quick, and I'm gonna come back in a future message and we're gonna pull all of these pieces apart. But for right now, I'm gonna give you the structure. The word made is being used as an acronym here. M stands for motivational gifts. In your notes today, you'll see that there is an entire section on the back that has a QR code as well as it has a link on a website. If you follow that, it will allow you to take a free spiritual gifts inventory test online. It takes 15 to 20 minutes in order to do. I just did it again. I've done this thing like a dozen times in the last 20 years. I just did it again this last week just to make sure. And basically, very fast, but I want to let you know, this is not scripture. So don't, don't hold this up and say, this is script. No, this, this helps give you a basic idea of how you're wired, how God made you, kind of give you some direction in that. But it'll also go through, it's free, and it will show you these are the areas that you're the strongest in and give ideas of where to use that within the body of Christ. Now, another part of that is the fact that A stands for abilities, Exodus chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, God described uh, Bezalel to Moses and said, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, given him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. God was the one who gave him those abilities. So if you're looking for a place of service, ask the question, motivational gift, what is that gift that God has put in there? Second, look at your abilities. What has God placed in your life an ability to do? Then D stands for desires. The Bible mentions desires over 100 times. It most often refers to what we want or things that stir our passion. When God is moving you towards positions, notice your desires. He begins to implant his desires into your heart. And E stands for experience. God is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. There's a really good chance that you will find that your service tomorrow is based on experience that came from your past. Now, here's the reason that kind of helps a little bit right there. Let's say... I came out and I'm like, you know what? I want to lead worship next week. Okay, I might have all the desire in the world, but guess what? God did not give me the ability to do that. I know, I was upset about that too. When I'm watching these people who can play multiple instruments, that's just wrong, wrong. When some of us haven't been given the ability to play even one single instrument. Okay, but that's a whole other issue right there. Here's my thing. It doesn't matter how much I desire it if the ability's not there. Okay, but you know what happens? When the ability's there, oftentimes there's experience that came with that. When that ability and that desire is working alongside of experience, and then God also gives a motivational gift to kind of begin to focus somebody in the right direction, that's a blessing. All of those pieces come together to help somebody understand how God made you. Now, as you're leaving today, you'll notice that inside your little 
sermon handout sheet, I would say bulletin, but it's really not a bulletin. Inside that, there's a little sheet that has places of service right here in the body of Christ. So here's what we're going to encourage you to do. Take a spiritual gifts inventory test if you've never done it. Find out how God has, has gifted you. If you find a place of service, put one in, just jot it down, fill out some information on the top, let us know who you are. You can drop it out at the Connection Center or put it in the offering plate in the weeks to come and we will get in contact with you. Also, here's another piece. Just so that you're understanding what these spiritual gifts are, outside as you leave, there's a table that's set up right next to Connection Center that has an entire little booklet here that explains the spiritual gifts. It explains how Satan attacks these spiritual gifts. It explains how you can best use these spiritual gifts. There's a copy of that free, one per family outside. Pick up a copy of that as you leave. Here's the big thing. God has gifted every single believer, all of us. And when we use the gifts God placed in our life, it blesses the body of Christ that's around us. God puts something unique in you that this body needs. Use it for the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day, the opportunities, God, that you have given. We pray, Father, today that as we finished out this one section dealing with areas of stewardship, that, Lord, we would be good stewards of the gifts, the talents, the abilities that you have placed in all of us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to know what they are and where they best fit and to utilize them so that others might come to know you and to make you known. God, we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.